We trying to run them numbers up, y'all. You want to help grow the brand? Subscribe to the YouTube right now. Be the first to check out new episodes of Taste and Notes from the Streets, our fire visual and event series where we pair our favorite foods from the hood with different wines from around the world. I mean, if you only listen to the podcast, you're only getting half the fun. So subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube. One. This is a moment in wine and hip-hop. Brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Bobs, a.k.a. Young Thanos, because I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. We are right back like we left something. Still on that TakeOver tour. I know we have been in Bordeaux for a little minute, but I need y'all to take a ride with us down to Burgundy. You know the rules. When you pull up in town, you go see family first. So today, I'm with my dog, Jeremy Sace of Domaine du Jacques. Jeremy has been a real friend and ambassador to the region for us since the day I met him. He 100% changed my perspective on the region and honestly wine overall. The way he breaks down wine in such relatable terms, you cannot walk away from a conversation with him having not learned anything. So if you came to pick up some game, you are really going to enjoy this episode. I mean, it really gives you insight into his perspective as a winemaker and what he looks for in making quality wine. But overall, you get to know a real cool dude. We had a lot of fun in Burgundy. We accomplished a lot. And I really do think we helped to inspire some change out there. And none of this would be possible without my bro right here on this episode. So I'm very happy to bring this show to you, recorded live from the cellar of Domaine du Jacques. Without further ado, my dog, Jeremy Sace. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for welcoming me into into your city, man. I, I see you like a, a straight OG around here, man. Like people. People really like you out here. I, well, it's the, the privilege of getting older, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, 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 it's small towns. You know, we get to, we, we get to know each other. And, um, and the, the economics of a village like Maurice-Saint-Denis is, is mostly wine. There's a few people who, who, uh, who, who take their car to Dijon every day to get to their jobs. But um, it's a town of 680 and 30-odd different wine producers. Um, and their employees and the rest. So, right. so yeah, we're, we're pretty firmly implanted. Yeah, it's funny, man. Like, and you know, for me, everybody knows Burgundy is my favorite wine region, and I haven't spent any time here. So, this time for me has been really cool. And um, you just have a, you get a different sense for what you would expect from Burgundy. You know, every like many of the Burgundy collectors are like super high end, the super wealthy. But when you you just like chilling in a French countryside suburban <laughs> town, kind of, it's, it's a much different vibe from the crowd that the wine attracts. The wine culture around Burgundy is very different from the vibe of the people here. That's for that's for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, it's you know Burgundy is only recently successful. It's an area that's been making wine for a very long time, and I suppose the white has historically been more of a draw. And I think if you were in Paris and you had uh, the means, you you drank red Bordeaux and white Burgundy. Actually, even if you didn't have the means, you'd drink you know you'd drink um, less expensive uh, non-class growth red Bordeaux, and you'd drink white maybe more from the Maconnais or something like that. Um, the, the success of Burgundy really came 
Well, it's been building up for the past 50 years and it really ratcheted up a level in the 2000s. And, um, and so there's, it hasn't fully caught up. Uh, we're starting to see some nice cars. I have a few <laughs> colleagues who fly helicopters. But, um, but for the most part, you know, it's still a very uh, a strong connection between ownership and production. So most of the, most of the states, the, the, the producer owner would also be working in the vineyards, would also be making the wine. I personally don't do a whole lot of vineyard work, but I, but I definitely do all my own sampling. I do, um, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm definitely um, part of the three family members in the winery during harvest. Mm, that's real, man. I mean, like when I think about, it's, it's interesting, because one of the things I thought about coming in was like, so when did you see the name behind Dujac change? Like Dujac is super high and well-respected all over the world. Like when did you see the, the change? So I was fortunate that we were always pretty successful because my, um, my mom's American, um, so we've always had this historical strong connection to the US and we've, we've been present, but it went, the world's been getting smaller. And so now we have, we had in uh, English speaking countries, we had some recognition, but in, um, but in places like Asia, this is more recent in places like South America, this is more recent in a lot of the emerging markets. And, um, and the fact is, we're for, my father was a good marketing man because he called it after himself, the men of Jacques. But, um, but it's very recognizable. It's not hard to pronounce. You can even rhyme it. Khaled, you know, <laughs> Khaled definitely helps with some market. Du Jacques. Like, sure. after that, it was just stuck in a lot, sure. of, a lot of rap dudes' heads. No, you know? no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, was, it, was, it was such a surprise, that, that whole thing. And, I, <laughs> and I'm still delighted by it. Um, but so yeah, no, there's because Burgundy is complex because you have all these families that are Colin, Magna, or or Griot or whatever. You just see, you just see a lot of the same name with the first name that changes. And I think people navigate that more with more difficulty. And Dujac, we're the only one with that name, and so it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, the, the the onset of the Poles in New York definitely brought an, a focus on Bur on Burgundy in a big way that that made it take off, and we were we benefited from that. Uh, change of generation also gets you some attention. Mm -hmm. You have a whole bunch of customers who start complaining that will never be the same again. But a whole bunch of people who are also excited because it's an excuse to, to rethink it and, right. and view it differently. So I came back full time in 2000. So I feel like around that time is, is when there was a big shift in percent. When you came in and took over, what was your outlook? You know, I mean, it's you you step into this role and you've been around wine your entire life. It's always difficult like jumping into uh, an area that already has a name, already has a lot of prestige. For sure, there's a certain conservatism and there's a framework that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty, you, you feel it, you know, there's, you can't do whatever yields you want, you can't do what grape varieties you want. There's some very traditional ways, you know, we, we, the wine spends time in barrel in Burgundy for most producers and that sort of thing. And while there's people who question that and you, and you play around and there's new challenges that, that, that show up all the time, um, I was comfortable in this because I, if there's just too many options, I think I freeze. Um, <laughs> but I, I quite like the working within the framework because actually that there's a lot of creativity you can find within a tight, um, a tight creative space. So, um, so I, I took that well. I was always more about polishing my dad's work rather than trying to just throw that all out and start fresh. I'm mm. more evolution than revolution. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's smart. Speaking of which, we got. We got some so we've got evolution in the bottle right here. Just a little um, bit. 
We got, and this is so cool, man. No labels yet, no nothing. You know, this is <laughs> seller direct, right? At wine and hip hop. So what are we about to taste here? So um, one of the vineyards that that's close to my heart is Von Romanet Premier Cru Mal Consort, which is, so it's it's a really well situated Premier Cru in Von. It touches La Tache, which is one of the most serious or best known Grand Crus and famous Burgundies uh, out there. Um, and so we were very privileged that we got a chance to buy the vineyard that's right right adjacent to it on the same hillside. You know, it's not below, it's not above, it's just mm. to the south in the same altitude curve. And I thought that it would be fun to try. You know, in a, we're in an age where we're seeing more extremes in the, in the weather. And so we've had an October harvest in 2013, it's this one, which was the first October harvest since 1980, so it's kind of at the far end of cold, uh, cold, uh, cold conditions. And I've got 2015, which was a much earlier harvest in, in, uh, in uh, very end of August is when we started, and a warmer vintage, and just to contrast the two, because I thought it'd be fun to, uh, to go through that. And I do know which is which because the quirks are marked, just, just in case they're <laughs> just not so just... Yeah, just so y'all know he's not bullshit. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, man, I mean, you guys have really dealt with some tough weather recently, so I can't even... It's, it's, part, of the, it's part of the agricultural game and, and, uh, and you, know, you always know that, that stuff is going to happen and um, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes less. Uh, last year was definitely real challenging on that front. But it does feel like things are getting more extreme. Uh, we were beating records all the time of driest, hottest, coldest, wettest, etc., earliest, latest, and that sort of thing. So we're, you know, we're trying to we're trying to get the word out there. This is something that it's not it's not debatable in terms of science. The models that were made for global warming were made in the 80s, and they're verifying for a lot of them. They're not perfect because no model is. But we're we're feeling it, and for a long time, I think. Burgundy benefited from warmer and getting riper, but we're at a tipping point, right. and and we're going to need people to start um, start thinking long and hard about how they consume, what they want to support, etc., to put some pressure to drive change yeah. environmentally. So, as a winemaker, how do you plan for the future? With you know, there's, I mean, there's not just the global <laughs> warming, yeah. but there's just crazy shit happening all no, over the I, world. No, I I think you know. Um, there's a lot of um, causes to pick up. There's a lot of injustice. There's environmental causes that we're very directly connect connected to, but everything is so interconnected that I think it's important. We're, we're, we're a rare area of agriculture that has a bit of a podium. As you said, we don't look like our customers, but we still have people who walk in the door and access to uh, to media and to some of our wealthier customers who have giant podiums, potentially. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important to do some activism and, and occasionally people are just, but, you know, stick to your lane. There's a little yeah. bit of that. You're, you make wine and I like the fact that you make wine, but I don't want to hear your other opinions. But the fact is, wine gets used as a political tool. It gets used in diplomacy. It got used for tariffs under Trump. It got used as boycotts uh, during George W. Bush. We are dependent on the global shipping system, which is currently being very affected by the pandemic and by politics as well. We, we are dependent on glass, and there's two furnaces that closed down in Ukraine, uh, which is leading to big delays in, in, in primary goods and, and dry goods. So we're, we're really connected to all of this. So yeah, I think we, should, we owe it to our, ourselves, to our customers, to be transparent about it, to express our opinions about it and to share them, and if it, drive, it can help drive some change, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, as you know, I'm involved with the Roots Fund and, uh, and on their board, and I, it's been 
really great. I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really taken up with that, with that particular cause. Um, but, but also, I'm, I'm just, why didn't I do this earlier? I actually had the access to do this. People want to drive some change. And, um, and if, we can, if we can affect a few lives positively, then that's a great thing. And I do view it as part of my job. I'm being very professionally gratifying. No, that's really dope, man. Let's try these right, ones. Yeah. So we'll start with the warmer vintage. Yeah, it's been um, it's crazy to just see how how connected everything is. I mean, when you mentioned the thing about the glass, I didn't even think about that. Um, but even like figuring out how much product you should plan for, should you think about other areas? Have you ever approached any of that? Well, we have a winery in Provence. And, and we make a lot of rosé, so hot summers are good for our business. <laughs> but I think it's hard to be in too many places at once. And here, this is about excellence and not cutting corners and going really into the detail things, so it's hard to devote ourselves to too many other things. But you're not wrong, we should be looking. So we're doing some experiments in our vineyards to you know, hedging trials, uh, trellising trials, things like that. Um, and we, sh we should go towards rootstock trials and, and clonal mm. selection trials uh, to try to anticipate drought or, or heat or possibly things getting colder because with one of the theories is with the, um, the melting ice caps, changes in salinity could eliminate the Gulf Stream. Wow. So France with no Gulf Stream would be quite a lot colder actually. Um, anyway, something to... It's just interesting. Pay attention to science class, kids. <laughs> a little over a century ago, it was phylloxera was the big yeah, um, yeah. was the big challenge for that generation. I That's think true. global warming will be ours. You got a really good way of putting things into perspective. I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> so that's the 2015. So hot year, dry year, and dry years. I mean, often dry comes with a lot of sunshine, and so you get wines that are just a little bit darker than the years, but also the skins get thicker and you get more tan. And with more tannin, you also get sometimes a bit more reduction. So the wines just take longer to really offer their full expression. On the other hand, they have a lot of fruit to start off with. So while you're getting something that's not showing all of itself, there's so much on display that you know you, something's there. There's pleasure. There. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe you're tasting the outside of it mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. I hope you've been enjoying our Wine and Hip Hop Takes France series. A bunch of episodes that brought us from Burgundy to Bordeaux and not quite to Provence, but a producer of wine from Provence. This run is legendary. Thinking about where I've come from to where I am now, I had to commemorate that with some fire merch. So go to wineandhiphop.com, hit the merch tab, and check out our French collection, where you can get our Projects to Provence hoodie, or Bronx to Bordeaux tea, or maybe the Brooklyn to Burgundy tea. I mean, it's your choice, man. It's a lot of fly stuff. We got the new Wine and Hip Hop trucker hats. You wanna support the brand, you wanna be fresh, you wanna commemorate this journey, hit the merch tab and holla at your boy. I feel there's a bit more sweetness and richness. And Von Romanet, including that part, is spicy and generous. In the descriptions of textbooks, they say Oriental Spice Market. And there's a little bit of that. But I find in, in Malconcel, it's particularly opulent. There's always, there's large scale and a lot of flesh on those bones. So, um, so I find chocolate, or cocoa, I should say, cocoa powder is frequently um, something that I just pick up in this wine. Yeah, no, it's, and it's not as aromatic as I would expect. So 2015, what was the response from the wine community? It was a vintage that people got excited about before harvest. But bizarrely, <laughs> especially at the customer end, 
I had a couple clients call me and say, it's going to be great, right? It's going to be great. I'm like, I'm picking a grape. <laughs> yeah, it should be good because your grapes are healthy and, and, and ripe. Usually it turns out well, but it just, there, it felt like there was pressure right from the start. And I get, I get anxious during yeah. our harvest. You know, am I taking the right decision? Am I picking early enough? Am I picking too late? Am I picking too early or whatever? It's one of the big decisions and you really don't know until after fermentation. So anyway, there's not a there's not a harvest I've ever considered relaxed and easy. That's not it's just not something that um, that happens. It's not in my character. Yeah. But um, you know you're working for something that's potentially good in a year where like that. In in some years you're just we're just trying to save something. Yeah. Versus, um, and and last year the wines turned out all right, but it felt more 2021 felt more like the kind of year where we're trying to save something after a really tough season. So how do you feel about the, um, the 2021 vintage, like going in? Going in, so you know, we got frosted in the spring, which just instantly brought the level of crop down massively and generates a lot of extra work because you're, anything that's not frosted is, is, you know, three, four weeks ahead of the stuff that's not frosted and that's within the same vineyard. So you're trying to trellis, save the branches that, that you can send, you get the secondary buds that take off. Right from the start, it's just a lot of work and a lot of chasing it for not much quantity, ultimately as well, because because you've lost most of your of your crop initially, and um, and then on top of that, it was a wet year, yeah. so you're you're trying to spray and, and and keep on top of any disease, powdery and downy mildew pressure were really high, so you're you're going after that, and then your canopy's a little bit damaged, so things aren't ripening quite so evenly or or, or, or rapidly. But we waited and, and you know, just kind of held to the edge of our seats for a little bit. And I feel like we brought in grapes that were ripe after sorting. They were pretty. Um, and, and actually the wines are pretty. But there was never any heat, never any intense sun during the whole growing season. And that makes, it's the opposite of this, which is quite rich on the tannic front. Um, even though the tannins aren't drying. But 2021, there's very little tan, very pale colors. They're, they're light in, in appearance and they're light in build, but that's kind of like a retro form of burgundy. You used to see this kind of vintage much more than the 1980s and 70s. Um, not that I experienced them that much firsthand, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, there's a, lot, there's a lot of people who were working then who just, yeah, they, they feel familiar in that way. Mm, yeah, I, I gotta say this is <clears throat> pretty solid. It's dope to see how connected you are with your clients, you know, it, it's, as a winemaker, does that ever influence uh, the way that you produce or the way that um, you, what you want to communicate? Well, I, and for one, I'm a, I'm a people person. So I, I've, I've, one of the sides of wine I've really enjoyed is just the meeting people through wine. Um, so that's, that's been a pleasure. On the other hand, with social media, I, I try to remain accessible, but there's no way you can you can keep up with everything and the direct access that social media affords. So mm -hmm. I try to, it's, I think it's a good way to, you know, it's, you make good wine, but it's nice to let people know why you're making or how you go about making good wine and that you're, that you're sincere about it and then you're not cheating. And, um, and so that's, that's, that's an important aspect that direct communication affords you. Um, I also think it keeps you in touch with the fact that some people like things less, that people are, you know, complaining about price, that um, that there's resistance in the in the market, or that there's people who are disappointed. And of course, it's not something I'd love to hear when someone tells me, uh, <laughs> "Hey, I had a cork bottle of your wine yesterday," or something like that. But 
Um, but it happens. And it's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, I would say that. No, he, he's not going to say that. I would say uh, that. Sometimes you have to politely say no. Um, but um, but no, it's um, I, I I quite enjoy that aspect. On the other hand, I think if I responded in a knee jerk to every criticism, suggestion, etc., I'd be all over the place and completely lost. Yeah. I think I have a pretty firm idea of what I what I want to do. I actually have more experience than most of my, well, I certainly have more experience than most of my customers when it comes to winemaking and, and making wine from here. Right. Um, so while I'm definitely open to, um, to suggestions and, and, um, and trials from colleagues and things like that as a whole, so I have a pretty firm idea of, of where it is I want to go with, my, my idea for winemaking is pretty straightforward. Um, I'm there to try to do the best job of reflecting a given vineyard in a, in a given vintage. And, and I do this using the tools and the experience that I've accumulated at Domaine Dujac, which has house style unquestionably through the whole use of whole cluster, using a fair amount of new oak, and a consistency in the decision taking as well, which has directed us to, to a, a style that a lot of people recognize and enjoy. So that are the, kind of are, the, are the premises, and after that you try to take, there's only so many really big decisions in wine, there's a lot of an accumulation of small decisions, and I, and I try to be consistent in those to try to bring it to the surface. Yeah, needs lots of forward thinking. Now this is, this is a lot rounder on the palate. So to, cold vintage, a lot of people would not expect to be rounder, but, um, but cold vintages, the tannin comes out less, mm. um, there's less to begin with as well, the, the acidity is a little higher, which brings a brightness. And, well, it is two years older, but that's not what makes a big difference between that. It's really the, the difference is, is between this, the growing seasons, which were, which were much colder in 2013. I think it's a lovely vintage 13. I, I really like how bright and precise it is. And, and you said a little bit rounder. Yeah, nah, this is, this is, see, like when I think amazing, you know, it's just like, boom. This, this, this hits all marks. Can't hope for more. No, seriously, damn, Joe. I wish y'all could taste this with us, but sorry, man. Next time, next time y'all in Burgundy, you know who to hit up. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. <laughs> oh, man. Don't all come at once. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I gotta say, no, this, this is pretty sick. And for me, man, like, like I said, this was a bit of a lifetime trip. I definitely had a lot of fun hanging out with you. And I'm, I love to see how organically into hip-hop you are. I, I don't think that a lot of people would assume that. So, you know, this, this respect the producer, so I always like to pair a producer, a wine producer with a hip-hop producer. So for this joint, I think I'm, uh, our pairing for you is The Alchemist. Okay. I will go with The Alchemist. Oh. Fuck the frail shit, huh? Cause when my coke come in, they gotta use the scale that they weigh the whales with. Carlson's on the Jeep, Bugatti made the prototype. Hope you get the picture, but you just can't photo light. Herman niggas make it, kicking down the door and we burning niggas naked. The house costs a million, sitting on the beach and the only thing I know with this furnish, I'ma take it. My bathtub lift up, my walls do a 360. We got the shit that the government got. Talking money, then you rubbing the spot. To look that up. Um, <laughs> I'm very recent. I did not grow up with hip hop, as you know, and I'm I'm very keen to learn and happy to learn. But I would it would be phony of me to say, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell me about the alchemist. Yeah. So uh, with alchemist, like I think that um, he's a very creative producer. 
you know, his style is very universal in a lot of ways. But his style is very like vintage, old school, um, very real. What I think connects you to the most is just the fact that like overall the style of production that he has, it fits in so many different places. Okay. Super approachable. And um, he can pretty much do anything. And I think that you have that capability. Oh, you're well. giving me too much credit here now. Um, but no, okay, I, 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 I like what you're, we gonna where you're going. Some. Defying expectations is definitely something I'm into, especially if I successfully set low ones. You know? <laughs> just that way you can, you can do a little better than you expect. But the hip hop knowledge is on point, man. So let me ask you. Did you, do you feel like you've gravitated more to hip hop since like Jay talking about the wands and everything? Oh, for sure. Well, first, my wife grew up in in, uh, in next to Oakland and Albany, so um, so she she that's what she listened to growing up. And Mohi Sunni, not so much. But, and, <laughs> they didn't have rap. <laughs> Black box radio didn't exist. Not, 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 not very much. Um, so so she listens to a fair amount at home and. Um, but then, uh, yeah, meeting Jay and having him visit, and um, we tasted that you right here, um, and um, that was—I mean—that was very cool. And I and I thought, okay, he's—he's he's making the effort to learn about what I do, and I want to learn about what he does. And uh, you know, I, I did know he was a big deal. Right, right. <laughs> um, so that—that was—I mean—that was—that was—that was very cool, and, and it, gave, it gave me some impetus to to go there. Now, the fact is, while I grew up bilingual. I realize I don't listen as fast in English as I do in French. So I have to listen to songs a bunch of times to kind of catch everything. It just goes too fast for me. But then so you know all the bars by the end of it. <laughs> I, I like language and I do like a turn of phrase. And so yeah, it's very gratifying as a music on that front. So I, I'm going to hit you with like four playlists before we leave. Because you know what, on that note, it, it, that's again like the, the style of artist that um, that rap on alchemist beats are also very lyrical guys that like to play with words, you know. Um, so yeah, we we gonna hook up a playlist for you, man. Expect that alchemist Dujac playlist coming soon. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> nah, this is this is really dope, man. So I'm interested to take a look at the venues and everything. It's it's really crazy to me, like how powerful the Dujac name is, and also how quaint everything is around here. It's like, yeah, the venue's just right there in the front yard. <laughs> well, some of them are right there in the front yard, but then it's the, it's the thing is because the land is classified rather than the producer. It's, right. That's a big difference with Bordeaux. Um, Bordeaux, you have the chateau and the vineyards are usually typically around it. Uh, in Burgundy, you have, you have the winery and then we have vineyards and you know, I have some vineyards that are 45 minute drive away from here in Pini. Um, and I have some that are, as you pointed out, just, just right out front there. Yeah. And, uh, and I get the question quite often of, you know, how do you know which ones are yours? Well, I, I know because we, we, we planted it, we know it's a, it's a, it's a, there's markings and a way of doing things. How do you know which I, house is yours? Exactly. I, I do know without needing the exact address. But, um, but on top of that, uh, people worry, said, aren't you worried about rape theft or things like that? <laughs> And actually, it's happened a couple times. <laughs> not to us. I, I accidentally harvested a neighbor's. Um, we were buying those grapes, so it was not from my vineyards, but I accidentally had harvested the neighbor's once. And uh, oh. we had to switch, swap grapes afterwards. But then there was a, actually in 2003, there were some stolen grapes because the vintage was so small, some people in the middle of the night went and did some harvesting. Out of here. 
that's crazy because and you're right it's, it's a small town everyone knows each other you like look you out if you see a team that doesn't belong somewhere you would absolutely call your oh, your, your neighbors and say hey See, this is, and people bug out because they don't realize how connected wine and hip hop are. <laughs> right? Like, yo, somebody on your block, son. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's own neighborhood watch. <laughs> exactly. Like, nah, you don't belong here. <laughs> but not just that, it's, it's all about repping your hood. You know, representation of oh. where you are from is what it's all about. That's a big thing because we share the name. I'm one of several growers making Malconsol. We all have vested interest in promoting Malconcel and making sure Malconcel is good and recognized. Maurice Saint-Denis, we're, we're part of the Grower Association of Maurice Saint-Denis, and, mm -hmm. and we work together to promote because we share this name. And if someone is doing a terrible job, that actually reflects poorly on all of our names. So that aspect of, of Appellation Contrôlée is, is, is a big thing and it absolutely um, ties in with what you're saying about representing your neighborhood. All the same shit from JS to JS. <laughs> oh man, well, Jeremy, man, thank you so much for this. This is like, again, legendary. I mean, this whole thing, like, from you know, you guys will see all the flash shit, but yeah, this was this was dope. Man. I was really pleased to be able to welcome you in Burgundy at some point, and yeah, here man. we are. <laughs> there we are, man. Salute. Cheers. This was a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love.